This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the second week of the NHL season and a number of storylines that have emerged already. Before we get into it, though, let's bring in my co-host, AJ. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing all right, Paul. On the on the football front, as our listeners know, I'm a Packers fan. We'll get into that more, but it's a period of mourning here in Wisconsin, but uh, we'll get over it. Penguins play tonight, so that should help ease the pain for me. Uh, but as you mentioned before, we kick off the rest of the show. I'll remind listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer your questions uh, you know, during the week, uh, we might bring some on during the show. Uh, you can follow me, as Paul mentioned, at AJ Scholes 24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman 22. All right, AJ, this week we're going to take a look at the 31 teams as we usually do, and we're going to try to pick out an early storyline or two, maybe highlight some of the players off to good starts or bad starts or even the injury list that's growing on some of the teams. And we'll take a look in that regard. The first team we want to talk about is, of course, the Anaheim Ducks. Look, AJ, they got seven guys listed on the shelf already with injuries. We know that Lindholm and Vatten and two of their key defensemen are out until early November, and Kessler may be not available until early in the new year. But throw in Eves and Getzlaff and their absences now, and this club may be digging an early hole for themselves. And throw in the fact also that uh, the goalie, John Gibson's number, numbers, are likely to go up in the absence of uh, a full roster here. So uh, a team that is forecast by many to be among the the top teams in the Western Conference certainly has uh, got a bit of a problem facing them in the, in the early going. Absolutely. And I think it's telling uh, what they think of Reto Berra, considering they haven't started him any games yet. He did get a little bit of action when John Gibson uh, left with you know what sounds like just a temporary injury. Um, they haven't had any back-to-back, so that certainly could factor into that decision as well. But I do think a lot of that has to do with Ryan Miller being out. Um, things seem to be trending in the right direction there. Uh, hopefully they'll have an update on him soon. But yeah, I think injuries have definitely been the storyline here. 
you know, we knew about Lindholm and Vatanen heading into the season. I, I think their defense has handled that okay. Um, obviously, getting those guys back will be key. But uh, long term, I think they're going to be all right. It is still early in the season. But yeah, as you mentioned, Gibson's numbers, uh, not the best. Um, but once he gets those big defenders back, I- I'm sure he'll uh, correct. And up next, we take a look at the Arizona club but last week i said watch out for clayton keller with the opportunity he is going to get and certainly that's one that's looking good for us in terms of early calls aj he leads the club with three goals and one assist and 19 shots on goal that to me is a telling stat you want to see how productive these guys are with the opportunity that they're getting keller looks like he's making good on on the chance that's come before him this week i'm going to suggest keep an eye on defenseman jason demers he's got 13 shots on goal and almost 23 minutes of playing time per game here uh one of the defensemen that was supposed to be kind of a second or third pairing guy but he might be uh, in line for more power play time if he keeps this up yeah that's a great point another defenseman to to actually uh that's meeting expectations not a player that uh, is exceeding or anything is oliver ekman larson uh after you know kind of a down year last year with just 39 points he's got a goal and two helpers in the first three games uh, you mentioned power play numbers he's averaging 343 of uh, ice time with the man advantage per game and so he's definitely stepping into the role that a lot of people have expected out of him for a long time. So uh, he's definitely a player to, to keep an eye on. They get Kevin Connaughton back uh, from injury. That'll probably bump Adam Glendening out of the lineup. And I'm not sure he's going to factor in or not, but Zach Ronaldo has served out that five-game suspension. So he could be in line for some minutes, although I'm guessing he's going to be the extra more night, more often than not. Yeah, maybe he's going to be useful if you're in a penalty minutes kind of a league. Uh, that might help uh, with Ronaldo. Aldo's inclusion. Uh, up next, we got the Boston Bruins. The Bruins are already talking about extending Zdeno Chara, a new contract. AJ, their captain is 40 years old. He's off to a very nice start with a goal and three assists and a plus five with an average of 22 minutes of playing time per game. But I don't think I'm going to buy into him. I'd rather look at the two youngsters that have, are lighting it up there. They got uh, DeBrusque and McAvoy. DeBrusque, a forward who's off and running with uh, good offensive totals and finding his way into some more playing time than I expected. And, and McAvoy continuing what he did last year in the la- in late season when he joined the club. And he's just hit the ice running. Uh, Hobie Baker, uh, finalist uh, last season and and a guy or two years ago, and a guy who uh, they have many high hopes for in the future he is delivering early on so i'd rather focus on the youngsters i don't think i'd like to i'm talking dynasty league action here i don't think i'd like to overcommit to a guy like chara at the other other end of his career despite the fact that we know all about his hall of fame credentials and uh even despite the fine start that he has so far I absolutely agree. I think Boston uh, would be better off not uh, extending them him. Although, you know, maybe they can get another year or two. I guess it depends on the length of the extension and the price tag. I mean, maybe two years, you know, two million total. Uh, so a mil a year, maybe two mil a year. I, I guess I could see them doing that and it, it wouldn't be too damaging. Uh, you mentioned Jake DeBrusque. Now I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back. I, I told our listeners to pick him up last week. I've got him in my Rotowire uh, expert league. Uh, and so I think he's really, you know, should have been picked up last week. I'm guessing he's not going to be available in most leagues, but if he is, you got to get on this guy sooner rather than later. Uh, he's got two goals, two assists through the first five games. Uh, you know, his shooting percentage is right around 15%. Uh, so he's getting, uh, you know, plenty of conversion, uh, a pretty high conversion rate. You know, probably long-term that'll drop off a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, with guys like David Bacchus and Noel Asiari, 
both out on IR. I think that's only going to give more opportunities to DeBrusque and maybe even Anders Bort to, to start opening uh, his tally a little more extensively, two points in five games. But I expect more out of the 21-year-old there as well. You see, AJ, what we've done with the two teams so far is we've highlighted the opportunity for some youngsters and, and uh, made good calls early on. Uh, we're going to try and do that all year long, but I think it's a note to our listeners who are into this pooley scene and, and the whole fantasy scene for hockey you got to keep an eye out on what's happening around these players too and, and how big of an opportunity are they presented with that it goes a long way toward determining how well they might do and, and really forecasting that properly with all that information is something we hope to add uh, to uh, every show that we bring out and uh, fine for you for pointing that one out as well uh, in buffalo evander kane is the story there aj you know we got jack eichel who is his playing partner a lot of the time but really Evander Kane in the last year of a contract that's got a 5.25 annual cap hit the the Sabres have a big commitment to Eichel already of about 10 million dollars a year and uh, boy Kane might just be right behind him when you look at what he's doing this year 34 shots on goal that's incredible and seven points in only six games meanwhile not getting anything from Kyle Pozo despite his six million dollar hit and I mentioned the six million dollar hit because there's another that's 16 million dollars com- uh, combined on just those two players and they've got big money com- com- uh, going to a couple other players as well so squeezing Evander Kane into the mix here will be a challenge for the Sabres particularly if he continues to go on this role uh, short-term positive story but it could be a long-term bit of a headache for the Sabres down the line. On the other side of Jack Eichel, you got Jason Pominville, who's also off to a phenomenal start as well. Four goals, three assists, uh, as, same as Kane uh, through the first six games. I, I think he's a player to keep an eye on as well. Uh, my one concern about Pominville is he doesn't have the shot totals uh, that you're seeing out of a guy like Kane. Kane's got 34 shots on goal already while Pominville has just 10. So there is a bit of a concern there. But overall, I think he's a great, uh, a great another option on that top line. Uh, and then, you know, one player that we did talk about, Seth Griffith, yep. hasn't really settled in well. Uh, now, to be fair, he's gotten moved around a little bit. He's playing center right now. He was on the wing at one point. So I think if they can stabilize where they want him to play, I would expect him to, to start settling in a little bit. We've talked about a couple of older players. Pominville himself is in his mid-30s, and I also mentioned Chara. A third guy, maybe the most notorious of all the oldsters, is uh, Yarmir Yager in Calgary, AJ. He's getting a first-line opportunity with Monaghan and Gaudreau, uh, a real shot to see what the 45-year-old has left in the tank. But for me, this is wrong timing. Yarmir Yager already admitted that he is not in the top shape that he'd like to be because he was not sure he was even going to play with the fact that offers weren't rolling in. And uh, now that they are, he's admitted that he's going to need a few weeks to to get a handle on things and get into that top shape that he needs to be. And uh, I, I think they should have probably given this opportunity to Frolik in that slot. And eventually, I think he's going to be the guy that gets it. I just don't see, I see right now that Jager looks a little bit slower. And those other two... Uh, Porsche engines that they've got on that first line they, they're going to need a guy to keep up with them and right now I don't see Jager to be that fit so wonder what you think about that and uh, my other two Flames targets in preseason drafts, Tachuk and Brody are flying out of the gate so that's two more good calls for us I actually like Jager on that, that top line and, and I think this, the speed of Gaudreau and Monaghan I think will benefit uh, him in the sense that you know they'll take uh, you know some of the pressure off of him he can kind of sit back, pick his spots. I mean, you're, you're talking about probably the smartest hockey mind uh, on the ice today, 
possibly even all time. I mean, one of the s- smartest players that there is. And so I think the fact that Gaudreau and Monahan can use their speed, open up the ice, allow Yager to maybe you know sneak into those those soft areas of the ice. Uh, I think it should pair well. Now, obviously, I would like to see him get back to to full speed, but I do think it's a nice pairing overall. But looking at the lineup. You know, he could easily be with Tuchuk and Backlund on the second line, to your point about having Froelich up on the top line. The only thing I don't think I would want to see is what they first started with, is him with Versteeg and Bennett. Uh, I don't think their talents kind of lend themselves to what Yarmir Yager can offer, which is why I think they're trying him out on the top line. Good explanation. You almost sold me there, I think. I'm going to have to re- <laughs> reconsider my thoughts. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, AJ, we focus on their defense. It's one of the youngest, most mobile groups. And uh, I highlighted a, a guy who was a uh, top pick a couple of years ago, Noah Hannafin. He's off to a nice start with two points and getting a little bit of ice time, more than uh, almost I expected. And uh, Falk, who's been a power play specialist for years, he's pointless in, uh, so far. But he does have those 14 shots on goal, so the production will come there. Be patient with him because he's He's delivered, and he's been one of the highest goal-scoring defensemen consistently each of the last several seasons in the NHL. So two guys that are linchpins of this defense, and by the end of the days, at the end of the regular season, you'll be happy that you got at least one of them in your lineup, I do believe. I'd also like to see Victor Rask get much more than the 15 minutes per game that this guy's getting. He's, he's got the big size and the, and the tremendous skill set that you want in your number one center. I just don't think at 15 minutes per game they're giving him the ice time that, that a lot of the big uh, number ones get around the league and so once that starts to go up i think his ownership is going to go up so i would i would kind of call this guy a good stash opportunity early on and it's interesting for me to note that uh, darling has started each of the three games in goal so far uh, i don't like the fact they've kind of turned their back on on uh, cam ward in this situation aj this guy's been a great soldier for carolina for years he's healthy and he's been a workhorse for them and i'd like to see more of a mix early on just to keep him sharp but darling is a guy they committed to in the offseason in terms of salary and that's why they're going this route i absolutely agree about the goaltending situation if nothing else get cam ward a game or two just so he can show what he still has and kind of raise his trade value if he's not playing nobody's going to see him uh, and then, you know, who it's going to depress the value that they're going to yeah. get out of him. Yeah. Uh, one guy I do want to mention is Jeff Skinner. Uh, he has, you know, that third line tag. And I know a lot of times, especially in daily contests, that can scare you off a little bit. But he's actually uh, logging over three minutes a game on the power play. Only two goals, but they've also only played three games. And one of those goals came with the man advantage. So uh, definitely a player to keep an eye on uh, for your daily contests. Probably not going to blow the doors off for for season long, although he did have 63 points last year. So a a young player to kind of keep an eye on uh, flying under the radar right now, probably in most leagues and and definitely one that I'm going to be watching. In Chicago, we're talking about a Blackhawks team, AJ, that is not ready to give up their uh, mantle as one of the, maybe the top team in the salary cap era. 25 goals for, that's second only to the Maple Leafs after six games played. The retooling that they've undergone has worked very well so far. Brendan Saad returned with a bang uh, so far to this lineup. Six goals and two assists, along with 26 shots on goal in the early going. Hartman tops the team in points, scoring with eight, uh, and he's getting top six minutes with Patrick Kane in place of a guy, uh, Artemi, who? I can't remember the guy's name uh, (laughs) off the top. And uh, Corey Crawford in net with a save percentage at 96 
100%. Uh, he's an elite goalie. A couple of years ago, people were looking at him, at him with a bit of a question mark, maybe the only one on this squad. You can take that question mark away and put an exclamation mark in place. He's delivering right out of the chute, and this team is going to give a lot of clubs all they can handle and more all season long. It looks like there's no drop-off in Chicago. Absolutely. And they've avoided uh, too many issues as far as the injury bug goes. You know, we talked about Marion Hosa being done for the year. Other than that, Michael Roosevelt and Jordan Tutu, those aren't guys that we're going to factor into consistently. Now, Jordan Smaltz did pick up a little bit of a, uh, an upper body injury, but it sounds like he's going to be back after a four game absence, uh, most likely going to be in the lineup tonight. And he's a player to keep an eye on and maybe target as well. Uh, Two goals and one assist in two games. So definitely worth picking up, especially coming off the bench. Uh, If you get him in your lineup, uh, I think he'll do some good things for you. Probably going to center that Hartman-Kane line. And what a primo opportunity that would be, AJ. Up next, we're talking about a Colorado Avalanche team that is shocking people so far in the early going. But I And I did say that uh, people should stay away from Matt Duchesne as long as he was going to play the role of a malcontent there. But I got to give him credit. He's come out with six points and a plus five in their first six games. Didn't expect anywhere near that from him, given the circumstances that surround him. Sven Andrighetto, a flashy uh, European player, as as playing in, in this league at the right time it's well suited to his uh, wide open ska- skating style and the high high octane energy that he brings he's getting the opportunity to play with nate mckinnon that's another positive development for him on defense tyson barry has five points in six games i said this guy was a good bet for a 50 point season even in the rubble that could be a terrible avalanche season but uh, off to a good start on a team that's better than forecast really makes him an attractive pick for me uh, and in, in one of the developments that is a truly a shocker, AJ, Niall Yakupov is on the second line, five points to date. Boy, if he's figured it out, they've got a guy who was a former number one overall draft pick, and they didn't pay much to get him. They haven't got him on a very expensive contract. Maybe he's found the right situation where he can excel to the best of his abilities, and Colorado fans will be thrilled to see, to see that continue. Yeah, for all the uh, touting of our great picks we have to do, every once in a while we have to take our medicine too. And in, in that case, it's for me, especially Nail Yakupov. Uh, he must have been listening to the podcast, heard uh, <laughs> that I panned him a little bit, but three goals, two assists in the, in the first six games. He's definitely stepped up. And then uh, Alex Kerfoot hasn't produced uh, at astronomical levels, but a goal and assist, uh, decent production through six games. You know, he might not rack up huge numbers this season, but a player maybe to watch, especially in your your dynasty leagues, you know, with how young he is, kind of tag him for for the long-term outlook. Uh, And then I do really uh, like what Gabriel Landeskog has been able to do as well, two goals, two assists through through the first six as well. Uh, So definitely some players to target. I I would say the only surprise, uh, McKinnon's got four assists, which is, you know, certainly fine but no goals yet uh you expect a little more production out of you know one of your premier centers uh in a player like mckinnon so hopefully he can find the back of the net sooner rather than later for fantasy owners and uh, you know what we did make a couple of so-so calls like you said but right back on the horse we get when we talk about uh the columbus blue jackets we said Sonny milano would be a good player to watch he's getting second line minutes he leads the club with four goals I also said watch out for Savard and Jones to produce offense from the deep position. They, they are elite defensemen, particularly Jones, one of the most feared players when you talk about his physical aspects as well. Uh, and there's the, so they're delivering across the board uh, solid minutes, plus minus goal uh, points as well. And that fellow Panarin, he's fit in here like a glove. Don't feel too bad about them in that sod for Panarin swap. 
he leads his new club with seven points and a plus five. So it's a win-win trade scenario between division rivals, and uh, it looks like Columbus is getting great value from a couple of their younger players as well. Yeah, my one concern uh, for for fans out there, especially, is Josh Anderson. Uh, just the one goal in the three games. You know, when you have a player hold out like that, you expect, okay, it's put up or shut up time. Uh, now that, you know, we paid you your money, we had to deal with this, you know, hold out all season long. And so far, he hasn't really put up a whole lot of uh, numbers or production. His shots on goal have been uh, pretty weak as well, just four uh, and so, uh, you know, for a player that's going to sit out, I, you like to see a lot more uh, definitely disappointed in him. As far as injury goes, you know, Boone Jenner, that's a pretty big loss for them. Right. Uh, and they still don't have a timetable on when he's going to be back. In fact, coach John Tortorella said no idea last time he was asked, although he hedged that by saying he hasn't talked to the trainers yet. But still, you never want your head coach saying he has no idea when a guy's going to return to the lineup. AJ, that, that statement really gets me because you've got to believe that the trainers are in the coach's ear all day long. I mean, how many times have you seen when a player goes out in the game, the trainer just sidles over to the coach on the bench and says, whispers in his ear, they know what's going on. That's just posturing, I do believe. But the NHL has been really poor about, if I can say one thing, poor about getting good information to the media about the injury status way more than uh, leagues like the NFL, uh, for instance. And that's always been a long time bugaboo for me. Up next, we go with the Dallas Stars, and uh, look, at they check a, a few boxes when you look at the top guns producing. Bishop's been very solid in, in goal, yet they're only two and three, and my question to you is why I suspect uh, they have a, an issue with depth and secondary scoring continues to be a concern here, but maybe you can dr- drill down a little bit deeper and help me out with an explanation here. Well, I think you're on onto something there as far as scoring, but I don't know if it's even depth scoring as an issue. Uh, this is a team that we touted all of their forward talent, you know, could have been, can still be a very high powered offense. And yet the leading point producer is John Klingberg with two goals and three assists in five games. Now Klingberg's a, a fantastic player. You know, I would expect him to have around that many points, but he shouldn't be their leading scorer, especially when you got, you know, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, uh, Jason Spezza on that team. Alexander Radulov has just two assists through the opening five games. That's, you know, not going to wow anybody. Uh, and so, yeah, you mentioned, you know, further down the depth, uh, they only have, it looks like, about 11 guys who even have a point, uh, and one, two, three of those are defensemen. So, you know, that speaks not only to the top guys not really producing at astronomical levels, but, yeah, as you said, the depth scoring isn't there as, out, as well. So uh, for a team we thought would have a high-powered offense, so far they've been pretty flat. Well, and we got to talk about one of the top surprises in the entire league when we talk about the Detroit Red Wings. The Wings, we are, are happy to say for our f- buddies in the home office, are 4-1 and one to start the season. Jimmy Howard has been undefeated after three great starts in goal. Lost last night, though, uh, with a, in a narrow defeat with a 94.2 save percentage. Mike Green can still be productive. We call that he has a goal now and eight helpers, four points on the power play uh, to start the season. Larkin, Manta, and Ferk are among the offensive leaders here, and that's good news because that speaks to the changeover in, in terms of getting a little younger and doing it with some quality guys. So uh, maybe, the, maybe it's a little too early to, to spell, uh, sing the funeral dirge for, for this club, uh, AJ, uh, are they as good as they look so far? 
I, I question that a little bit. I, I do think they're producing at a top level. Now, Jimmy Howard's been phenomenal in net. As you mentioned, he dropped that one last night, but it was a close game. Uh, and so I expect him to, to get back on his horse and, and keep, uh, you know, keep on keeping on for, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I, I do think this team could be even better if they can get AA into the fold. But at this point, uh, you know, owners out there and, and fans are going to forget how to pronounce his last name if he just spends the whole year skating around in Europe. So uh, I, I think he would be a boost to the team. But right now it doesn't look like they need him to be perfectly honest well one team that needs a bit of a boost somewhere is the Edmonton Oilers they've got Leon Dreisaitl and Drake Kajula two key players among their top nine on the sidelines right now uh, look at the totals this team has struggled badly when you look at Cam Talbot a 396 goals against average an 88 percent save percentage both very poor numbers and uh, apart from the top two centers including Dreisaitl they, the rest of the roster's only scored four goals. That's not a recipe for success at all, AJ. And if uh, one of those two guys is sidelined for any length of time, it could spell disaster for this team. Yeah, the the concern I have is is shots uh, allowed per game. They're right about 32. Uh, you'd like to see that a little bit lower. Um, you know, although on the flip side, you know, Cam Talbot should be a workhorse. I'm I'm not sure. We've talked about it kind of repeatedly, but. I do think it speaks to how surprised we are that he hasn't really performed well. Um, as you kind of alluded to last uh, last podcast, maybe it's time to you know give Brossois uh, a look uh, just to you know let Talbot sit out a game and maybe get his head ar- you know around what's going on there. And you know we talked again about a high offense team. It, it seems very similar to what we you know we're saying with Dallas. Uh, they've got just ten guys who have points at all. Again, another three of those are defensemen. So uh, Connor McDavid's got, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but only five points. (laughs) A guy with five points in four games, you shouldn't be saying only, but when it's Connor McDavid, you expect uh, a lot better. And then Drysaddle's second on the team with three points, and he missed their last game. He's on IR, could miss a couple more. So there's some serious concerns about the lack of scoring from this team. Uh, I don't know who they're going to look to step up. Maybe UC Jokinen, uh, Peck, uh, or, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Kajulia, it, when he gets back, uh, Lutestu is another guy who doesn't have any points. So uh, a lot of question marks here as to what's going on in Edmonton. And in Florida, uh, Dadanoff has had a fine start. This is a, a guy who comes from the AHL. He was born in 1989, so he's not a spring chicken like some of the... Well, he is 28 years old. He is a spring chicken relative to me <laughs> and you, but in terms of hockey sense, he doesn't come over as a as a guy who is a, can't, can't shave yet. Uh, he's got five points in four games, AJ, but I'm more enthused about the great starts of Ekblad and Bukestad. Uh, these guys are two guys that I've had a lot, a lot of time for since they both came into the league. They both had down years last year, Ekblad particularly. First couple of years in the league, he was already being touted as, oh, this guy's going to have a Hall of Fame career and this and that. And last year was an absolute disaster. But if you gave him a mulligan and kept him on your roster, you may be reaping huge rewards uh, as the season plays out from him. And Bukestad is that big rangy forward in the middle of the ice that you love to have among your top six and uh, if he can rekindle that boy they've got a heck of a one two in the middle of the ice there i actually really like connor brickley as well Uh, a goal and three assists through the first four games now for some reason it looks like at at recent practice he was outside of the the top four lines which i think is a mistake on on their end 
uh, why you would sit a guy who you know has been uh, adding some production doesn't really make sense to me but you know maybe it was just a one-day thing maybe they'll get him back in there but uh, Connor Brickley keep an eye on if he's going to play or not it's going to be important obviously for your daily and season-long contest that he's actually in the lineup but uh, if he is so far he's a point per game player well, and what about in L.A.? It's uh, the, some of the oldsters that are being the star players, and the, the flag bearer is none other than their captain, Dustin Brown. Uh, he hadn't, listen, A.J., he hasn't had a 20-goal season in the last five years, but right out of the gate, four goals along with three helpers in only five games. That's fantastic and totally unexpected for me. I wonder if you think he can keep it up, but boy, uh, he looks like a real good pickup right now given the fact that he's playing first-line minutes uh, along with a revitalized Anze Kopitar there. And in goal, Jonathan Quick is in prime form. You can almost wipe out the fact that he lost a season last year and realize that this guy's still one of the very best goalies in the league. Look at what he's done so far. A 174 goals against, 94.3 save percentage in the early going. Maybe it's a little too early to write this team off as well. We kind of did that in our preseason outlook, but uh, if the veterans are back with this kind of a vengeance, you've got to think they're really motivated. And uh, the last time we checked, about a year ago, this was a pretty darn good team. I agree. I, I think they're, they're exceeding expectations right now. Uh, whether they can hold on for a whole season, I still have questions about. Uh, Anze Kopitar, as you mentioned, is off to a phenomenal start and is pairing up with Dustin Brownwell, but Alex Iofalo is not benefiting from that top line right now. Uh, just one assist through the first five games, so it might be time for them to give somebody else a look on on that top line. Maybe Tanner Pearson, who they toyed around with up there last year. Um, I, I think long-term, there's not enough depth on this team uh, that I think eventually we're going to see a little bit of a drop-off. Obviously, as you mentioned, Jonathan Quick will keep him in games more often than not. Uh, and Darcy Kemper, I think, can be a decent backup as well. Um, but I think long-term, as the season drags on, you're going to see this team start to tail off. And uh, up next, we talk about a Minnesota team that I really liked at the beginning of the season, AJ, when we did our preseason outlooks. But boy, injuries are really biting them in the butt right now. Granlund is poised to be returning to the lineup this week. He hasn't even played yet this year. Uh, But uh, Zach Parise is on a long-term injury situation. And uh, Charlie Coyle and uh, Nino Niederreiter are joining him on the sideline with uh, what are expected to be protracted absences, too. That leaves the opportunity for a rugged winger, Chris Stewart, though, to light things up. And he's another guy I've had a lot of time for, despite the fact that, you know, he broke into the league with a couple of 28-goal seasons, AJ. And then since then, the last four or five, really hasn't been able to put it together. But now, to me, in the early games, he's starting to look like that same player, one of the top power play forwards when he's playing at this level. Six points so far. I expect his ice time to continue to rise in light of the circumstances around him with the injury list, but that's not the best news here when you consider the quality of the number of players that are on the sidelines in Minnesota. All right, Paul, we're going to get a little mini rant from me here uh, (laughs) in the middle of the show. So yesterday they went into practice with just nine healthy forwards in the lineup. Eventually, Zach Parisi had to leave practice, so they were down to just eight. Wow. Now, I, I understand there's cap concerns. Guys aren't technically on IR, and so bringing up uh, guys from Iowa could disrupt what they're doing down there. But as far as getting your team to gel and prepared on the ice, having half your forwards, essentially, maybe not quite half, but 
having only three lines available, you know, who's going to make up that fourth line? What's it going to look like? How are they going to gel together? Are they running the exact same systems in Iowa that they are in Minnesota? And so I think it's a poor decision on both the coaching staff and the you know front office to not bring guys up right now and get them practicing with the team. I think it's going to hurt them in the long run. Um, as far as you know, guys on the ice, when Matt Cullen suddenly do- is no longer the oldest guy because your assistant coach uh, Darcy Hendrickson is suiting up, that's definitely a concern. Injuries have boggled or uh, bogged down this team. Hopefully they can get healthy, but I think it's a poor decision on their part not to bring up a fourth line, essentially, to practice with the team. Well, and you know what? You and I work on the uh, lineups all day long, every day of the NHL season for Rotowire, and we're going to take a look at the, all the lineups later on after the show and, and get them up to speed and up on our site. And I'll be curious to see who winds up filling out that roster after what you just said. I wasn't quite aware of the decimation and the way that they dealt with it at the practice. I agree with you. A solid call and a good mini rant. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, a team uh, whose fans are in full rant right now, AJ. Seven goals scored in, all, in five games played. We're not talking about any single player here. That's the whole team, friends. Throw in the 338 goals against average of Carey Price, and the coaches' watch is squarely on in this hockey-mad city. Right now, the natives are just mad instead of hockey-mad, AJ. And uh, on the bright side, though, at least Galchenyuk and Drouin finally hit the score sheet in their last game. Oh, yeah, that was the overtime thriller that the Leafs won the other night, one that has to (laughs) stick in the throat of the Canadians. It snapped an ugly 14-game winning streak Montreal had over Toronto. So you can bet yours truly celebrated and celebrated very, very well uh, following that game on Saturday night. So uh, really uh, tough times in Montreal in the early going. Do you see them snapping out of it in the near term? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, there's there are talented uh, scorers on this team. Jonathan Druin can be uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, I think, can be a, a scorer. But none of these guys have produced more than a goal. Uh, actually, nobody on the team has more than two goals. Uh, you highlighted their, their scoring problems and more question marks out of a coaching staff here. They wave Mark Streit. After activating Schlemko from IR, and now Schlemko's not even traveling with the team for their latest game, so that's a head-scratcher. You know, I get Mark Streit probably wasn't going to be a night-to-night player, but now he's not even on the team, and you've got a guy eating up a spot who is supposed to be on IR and healthy, but he's not. So um, some questionable calls there. I, I think to your point about a coach on the hot seat, while I certainly understand and am sensitive to the the team and the fan concerns, I think it is important to note that they limit themselves in the available coaching pool by requiring a guy who can speak French. Now, again, I'm sensitive to that. I understand why they want that to be the case, Um, but it probably protects the the coach from being fired because who are you going to get to replace him? Uh, There's limited options out there because of that requirement. And so we'll see what happens um, but I, I agree. I, th- I think a coaching change could be in the future, but who they bring in is certainly a, a big question. Right. And uh, speaking of the Montreal Canadiens, we go to the na- next team and look at the Nashville Predators scoring. P.K. Subban, remember him, Habs fans? Seven points in five games, but that's going to be another big ouch. They could use some blue line scoring, too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I can't believe they're probably angry in Montreal that I said this out loud, but there you go. Facts are facts. Uh, in terms of the offense, Philip Forsberg and Magnus Arvidsson would be expected among the early multi-goal scorers, but Scott Hartnell, not so much. Yet the uh, 
older power forward has notched three goals already and he's been a wonderful net front presence on a power play that was missing the, that ingredient before his arrival that could be a real key to to juicing a power play that features the aforementioned Subban and a guy like Roman Yossi when healthy on the points so it could be a fun time uh, when they have the extra man advantage as uh, as Cardinal Scott Hartnell kind of turned back the clock a little bit with the early production on the downside though Josie joined uh, Ellis on the sidelines last week leaving the Preds with a depleted defense missing two of their stalwarts though the captain could return as early as tonight so there is some good news on the injury front there and we're happy to report that whenever we can yeah, it seems like they just have a, a plug-and-replace system for defensemen there. I mean, as you mentioned, Roman Yossi's missed the last three. Yannick Weber was out the last game. But they brought in uh, youngster Samuel Garrard, and he's you know produced as well a goal and two helpers through his three games uh, appearance. Uh, Matias Ekholm has a pair of assists. And so there's definitely guys, you know, Subban obviously stepping up. And so it seems like, you know, not a lot of concerns, kind of just plug-and-replace uh, with the young defensemen we ha- they have in their system. So it's it's very interesting to see, uh, you know, how that's going to shake up. Obviously, when Yossi is healthy and Weber is healthy, that'll change what's going on there. Um, I am a little concerned about Peke Rene's numbers. Uh, for him, I should, I should qualify that. Yeah. 2.67 goals against average is a little high for a player of his caliber, but both of his losses, uh, as expected, came on the road still perfect as at home as he always seems to be aj when we talk about the new jersey devils we use the descriptor high scoring this year and i have been do- <laughs> look i've been doing this a lo- long time and i have never said that in the same sentence the high scoring new jersey devils there you go uh uh, not too many hockey pundits have ever uttered or written that yet here they are with 21 tallies in only five games played the recipe there is an unrelenting speed from top to bottom on offense particularly ncaa standout will butcher leads the club with eight assists from the blue line and a plus five an early leader in in my opinion in terms of rookie of the year consideration fellow rookie jesper bratt is next to him in scoring with three goals and three assists so the youngsters are leading the way here but a pack of veterans is drawn up in their wake as well and looking very good early on Corey schneider of course holding his own end of the bargain up with solid net mining as expected and uh, something that was undersold in a lot of preseason analyses but not in ours we we think this guy is a workhorse and a very capable guy who should be ranked among the top 10 at his position in the league and of course all of this has insulated uh, top draft pick nico heischer who's only had two assists in five games and not getting the ice time that i expect he will later in the season they're bringing him along slowly i think that's a good call to get his feet wet in the early going and anybody who bails on this guy early will will realize it's a big mistake by the time he gets rolling a little later on as i expect that he will well you mentioned easing guys along you know butchers put together those eight assists averaging just 15 44 of ice time per game that's i mean that's really low for a defenseman yeah. yet he seems to be on the ice for all the right uh, opportunities five of those eight assists have come with the man advantage so they're really using him on the power play and he's been able to capitalize you know finding guys in the right spot and putting pucks to the net so that they can get tipped or or, you know 
the rebound picked up, whatever it takes. And so uh, if you had told me that Hersher was going to be third in rookie scoring on this team through the start of the game, I'd have said you were absolutely nuts, but that's, that seems to be the case. Uh, Jasper Brad, I think, can you know continue to produce, although he hasn't. Uh, he's slid down from that top line just because other guys have gotten healthy. But lines are fluid in today's NHL. We've talked about it before. He can be right back up there on that top line in in no time. In on New York Islanders situation, Casey Zizekas, a seven-year veteran there, has never scored as many as ten goals in a season. AJ, so I say, don't be fooled by the three he's already notched early this year. Just be happy that they, if you're an Islanders fan, that they can bank that. But uh, he's not a guy that you should run out and claim anytime soon, in my opinion. The more important development here is the apparent mature, maturation of Josh Hosang, a product uh, who's local to the area that I live in here. He's got four assists to date. That only tells a little bit of the story, AJ. This guy is uh, touted as a game-breaker. And if he continu- can continue uh, playing this motivated style and keeping his nose clean, uh, I think he's going to be a tremendous tremendously popular pick uh, very soon in terms of uh, drops and ads that go on in uh, season-long play and could be an interesting look in in the DFS as well. In the background of all this, a good goalie battle is brewing between Halak and Grice, two guys who partnered in this role before. I don't know if anybody's going to emerge. Maybe you have a favorite in the race. Uh, If I have uh, been, if I'm pushed to a decision, I'll go with Grice. Wonder how you feel about all that. I think they're going to go a full-on even split uh, between these two guys, I don't expect, honestly, either one of them uh, to see much more than 40, maybe 45 games played. I think it's going to be pretty even uh, throughout the stretch as long as it's continuing to work, which so far it seems to be working for both guys, which, you know, we've talked about other situations in the past where it just doesn't shake out. Neither guy can really get comfortable. But uh, if it works, it works. You know, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. So let these guys keep splitting. I think my bigger concern with this team is their top line. I mean, Jordan Everly was supposed to be the answer for John Tavares uh, when they swapped him out for Strom. And that top line of uh, Tavares, Everly, and Lee has combined for eight points through six games. I mean, that's just not enough production. In fact, Tavares is fourth on the team in scoring right now despite averaging 21 minutes of ice time per game. So it's just not cutting it. I don't know if they're not gelling right. I don't know if Tavares is solely to blame. Uh, And so what's going on there? But they've got to get significantly more production out of that top line. Yeah, and they've got to get get away from the John Tavares storyline off the ice to help this team on the ice. They've got to solve that sooner or later, I think, because it's just going to be hanging around in the background otherwise all season long. A bad shadow in that circumstance. The New York Rangers, a team that is already casting bad sh- bad shadow on their season as well. AJ, they're one and five out of this out of the starting gate, digging themselves a hole in what we know is a very competitive division. We highlighted this group. Four of the top nine teams in the league last year came out of this division, so you can't afford a start like this. And surprisingly, though, two guys who I panned in preseason. Ec- prognostications Kevin Shattenkirk and Mika Sabanajad are among their top three scorers really performing offensively better than expected I would say despite the fact if if there's a downside to what they've done so far it's a minus six and minus four respectively but that's two of their top three scorers that I didn't expect to be there Uh, Shattenkirk uh, proving me wrong I wonder if he can keep it up Sabanajad a guy I don't think is a a first line center in this league certainly playing like it right now do you think both these guys continue and who else do you notice here in New York I don't uh, expect them to continue to lead the top. I I think you were right 
in your assessment of them to start the season, I mean, Mika Benajed, five goals in six games is, is a production level that's uh, not sustainable, in, in my opinion. In fact, his shooting percentage right now is 21.7. Again, that's a number that's just simply not sustainable. Uh, and so I expect him to start dropping off a little bit. Shattenkirk uh, could be all right, could maintain right about there, um, you know, just under a point per game. I, I don't think that's outrageous for him. Uh, I think the the concern for me is is the goal, not really the goaltending, but the situation that's happening to Henrik Lundqvist. In his last three games, he's got a 1.36 goals against average with a 9.59 save percentage, and that's a one in two record. So clearly, you can't blame uh, their current standing on on King Henrik. Although his first two outings were disappointing, although getting shelled by Toronto doesn't seem to be uh, something that uh, is going to be an aberration for most netminders this year. So I uh, can't really blame him for that one either. Uh, and so something needs to change as far as getting him some offensive support. If your goalie can face 42 shots like he did in his last outing and only let two of them hit the back of the net, you have to hope that your offense can help out a little bit more. How about this? The first Toronto reference doesn't even come from me. That's that's that speaks. <laughs> that's music to my ears, man. Because that tells you this team is really for real. I even say, saw them number one in the power rankings on a couple of different websites. Can't believe it, but I'm going to enjoy it as long as it lasts, and I hope it lasts all year long, partner. The, in Ottawa, the NHL's little engine that could is still basking probably in the limelight uh, as last season's Cinderella team. Out of the starting gate, the Sens are 3-0-2 without their signature player, Captain Eric Lars Carlson, though I expect that he'll make his season debut as early as tonight. In goal, Craig Anderson, the wily veteran, uh, has been downright miserly in goal with a soccer-like 1.65 goals against and a 93.7 save percentage. There's seven multi, multiple goal scorers here, including def- emerging defenseman Chris Weidman, who's taken advantage of the captain's absence. He might take a bit of a step back, but he, uh, to me, he's been a bit, re- a bit of a re- revelation, and I could see him getting second power play time with what he's started so far with. In terms of a downside, though, Bobby Ryan, scoreless to date, AJ. There has to be a bit of a Spocky and I turned in his direction when you think that he's getting paid a lot of money and uh, really not uh, stepping up and scoring like some of the other uh, younger offensive guys that really are carrying the load in Ottawa. Yeah, I, I'm not totally concerned uh, about Ryan. Again, similar to, uh, you know, Colorado, uh, Nathan McKinnon, four, four assists through the first five games, just no goals. Uh, I think it'll come as long as he keeps shooting. Now, that part is a concern. He has just six shots on goal. That's uh, just over one per game. So that definitely needs to increase. But if he can start putting pucks on the net, uh, I eventually I think they'll start landing for him. And as you mentioned, the big storyline here is what they've done without Eric Carlson uh, for, through the first five games. They're going to get him back tonight, and so that's going to be a huge boost. Um, I expect uh, their their opponent tonight, uh, Vancouver, is going to be in t- for a world of hurt with the 27-year-old back on the ice. All right, and up next we look at the Philadelphia Flyers. They oh, they have possession of the second guy who was picked in the draft. Nolan Patrick was touted long most of the season as the number one pick overall but didn't happen that way he's getting about 14 minutes of ice time so far we want one goal one assist for a total of two points a plus three so brought along slowly he has eight shots on goal i like what i've seen out of this guy and he could be a really nice fit uh, long term in uh, on this sit- in club situation and uh, you know last year we had some high profile rookies to talk about all year long it's not the, looking like it's going to be the case this year but that that's more of a a nod to the guys that dominated the headlines last year in line and Matthews 
these two are fine young players in Heesher and Patrick. Don't be shy about stashing Patrick uh, as a long-term hold, in my opinion. But the bigger news here is that they've switched Claude Giroux out to left wing on the first line. And uh, the move certainly seems to agree with him in the early going, AJ. He's got three goals and four assists, thriving uh, in this left, left wing look and really looking to become the comeback player in the NHL, playing again with his longtime cohort Jakob Voracek they were separated much of the season last year the beneficiary is the guy in the middle Sean Couturier who was a high draft pick several years ago never really achieving the levels that were thought to him but now he's he's right there with three goals and three assists and uh, if he continues to score at that rate they'll be thrilled with the offense that they get and uh, the offense needs to be really good because Brian Elliott as expected has been very ordinary with a 325 goals against and four starts yeah, I mean, the, the team, as you mentioned, is is offensively clicking. In fact, they're tied for second uh, for goals uh, four per game at 4.2, and that's going to help them make up for the fact that, you know, their net mining is subpar, to, you know, phrase it lightly. <laughs> um, and so they really, this is another team that, you know, maybe, maybe Cam Ward uh, is an option here. Uh, if they're scoring that much throughout the season, a little help on the back end uh, will definitely get them headed in the right direction. They're three and two through their first five games, so they're right in contention with the Metropolitan Division, and I think they can, you know, bring it around. I just want to give a, a frame of reference for some of our listeners. We, you know, we talked about other teams only having so many guys with points. Uh, the Flyers are on the opposite end of that spectrum. They've got 15 different guys who have tallied at least one point for them this season. So everything's clicking uh, for them right now, and they seem to be headed in the right direction if they can get the uh, the net mining situation figured out. I see what you did there with reference to Spectrum and the Flyers. That was their longtime home for Philadelphia in the early years of the franchise. That was well worked in there. I hope that uh, some of the older listeners caught that. That was clever, AJ. I like it. <laughs> Uh, we look next to the Pittsburgh Penguins where, AJ, I, say, I said you'd need to convince me that Brian Rust was a capable option for a top six role. Well, the guy has eight points through six games played, so maybe the proof is in the output here. Tied with uh, Sid the Kid, in fact. I am starting to believe this. Do you feel confident still? I, I even though there's been a, ho- a hot start here for Rust, I still expect... Patrick Hornquist to push him down the line. He's looking good on the power play. He's got three points in, in the first three games that he's played this year. Uh, but I'm, I'm asking you another question, though. Is goaltending a concern when the team goals against average? Oh, we can say it's been skewed by the 10 spot that they uh, had thrown against them by Chicago. You're still, still trying to get rid of the twitches from that one, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's still at three goals per game, aside from that debacle. Uh, for one other positive note, we're six games in and Chris Letang is healthy. Yeah, he's managed this this far, so that's a, a step in the right direction. Uh, to answer your first question about Brian Russ, I, I think he can continue to produce. Now, I agree he might get bounced from that top line periodically. You know, Connor Sheary might get a look there. Patrick Hornquist, as, as we alluded to, is another option up there. But I don't expect him to fall any further than the second line. If he's not on the right wing with Crosby and Gensel, I'm guessing he'll be on the second line uh, on the left wing side with Malkin and, and Kessel. So I, I think no matter what, Russ is going to is pretty much set in a uh, top six role this season and should be poised potentially for setting some career highs this year. Uh, As far as the back end goes, yes, there's a big concern and it's all in the backup. Uh, You know, Niemi uh, 
played in his second start uh, and this time made it through the whole game. So that's an improvement on the first one, uh, but still let five goals into the back of the net. Now I watched, you know, that game intently. Uh, he did make some very quality saves uh, and, you know, the, the game could have been significantly worse. It could have been another 10 goal shelling without some of those uh, outstanding saves he made. So uh, when for a goalie getting beat five times, he didn't look as bad as the stat line might indicate. But at the end of the day, he's played in two games, gotten pulled once and allowed nine goals into the back of the net. That's simply not good enough. Uh, especially when you have a guy like Matt Murray, who's really just entering his first season as the full-time netminder and should be projected to, to have 60 games played. But, you know, they might want to only get him 50 just because they're still easing him in uh, in that sense. So you expect better from the backup. It's, it's going to be a question mark all season. They need to bring somebody else in, in my opinion, or try and convince somebody to take Niemi and just let Tristan Jari take the job. <laughs> I think he'd be just fine. Um, I haven't liked the signing from the start, and, and that certainly hasn't changed based on his performance. Okay, AJ, I want you to come off that cloud of smoke that you just spewed, <laughs> and we'll talk about the San Jose Sharks. Kevin LeBanc, as we forecast, got the prized first-line left-wing role uh, out of the uh, starting gate and has impressed so far with a team leading three goals and one assist through four games. So another little pat on the back for us in that good call. But the rest of the lineup here has a total of five goals. And Martin Jones has an unsightly 392 goals against average. That's a lot of ugly math so far for the Sharks, a team that we thought still had uh, some quality in it, but uh, we might be wrong in this one. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Martin Jones. The, the first two games, he allowed four in each of those games, didn't face more than 30 shots in, in either outing. So it's not like he was under fire. Uh, his last game against Buffalo, which was a win, uh, still allowed two goals on, on 25 shots. Uh, so overall, you know, that's, that save percentage is uh, 0.881. Uh, that's really just not good enough. Um, and so, it, you know, maybe losing Patrick Marlowe has uh, affected this team in, in a bigger way than expected. On the injury front, Paul Martin, who had an offseason ankle injury, he finds himself on IR suddenly. It looks like Joakim Ryan is not only going to replace him on that top pairing alongside Brent Burns, but could also get looks on the power play. He might be a player to target. Now, Ryan's got significantly higher offensive upside uh, than uh, Paul Martin ever has. Uh, but he hasn't shown it at the NHL level yet. He just made his debut this season with two games played. Uh, and so keep an eye on him. I'm not certain I would dive in on him right away, but if he has, you know, a good night, it could be an indicator of things to come and you might want to jump on him then and try and maximize when you can pick that guy up. When we talk about the NHL, we think it's a, a young man's game in the early 20s, but then the St. Louis Blues are bucking that trend, AJ, and they added Braden Shen, a guy who's been around the league for a few years, to their mix, and we both said that he would fit in seamlessly with this Blues lineup. He has, in fact, six points in six games and looks really good so far. The Blues have a number of key players with injuries, though, and that's a function of being an older club, I think, as well. Alex Steen and, and Robbie Fabry should uh, return this week, it says here, but uh, I, I will hold my breath until I see it. Uh, on the downside, they've given up 35 shots on goal per game. That's as high a number as any team in the league, I do believe, and that's a real problem, and it's going to hurt Jake Allen's numbers long term if they keep up that pace. Absolutely, yeah. What they've been able to accomplish without guys like Fabry, Berglund, Steen, 
and Bo Meester is actually really impressive. Um, I, one player I'm a little disappointed with so far is Vladimir Sobotka. Um, you know, four, four assists, uh, no goals. So a decent outing, but that lack of production has seen him drop off that first line. That's, that's somewhere I thought he'd be for much of the season. Uh, you know, possibly with Tarasenko, uh, Fabry, obviously losing him, uh, kind of shuffles that up a little bit, but I expected more out of Saboko and clearly the coaching staff did as well. Uh, perhaps the move down to the third line will motivate him uh, to find the back of the net sooner rather than later. You know, Fabry's out for the whole year. Let's be clear about that. It's, he's not coming back next week. Steen is the guy that's going to come back possibly in the near term. Fabry, though, don't be looking for him anytime soon, folks. In Tampa, Braden Point had a fine half season last year, and he's parlayed a really strong start into a second line role over winning that bid over Tyler Johnson. He has eight points and a plus five in five games so far. Yanni Gourd is the second line right wing. That doesn't le- that doesn't even sound like it makes the most sense to me, though. Question for you, AJ. <laughs> unless they are really trying to balance the second and third lines i'd like to see uh one of the uh, other veterans take up that role on that second line but i i think that they're just trying to mix it up and go for a little more depth considering they're three deep at the center position with qual- real quality there and then vasilevsky has played every second in goal Ben sports a very poor 3.2 goals against average when you consider the quality of the team in front of him and and you got to look at the uh, volume of shots he's uh averaging about 36 shots on goal against uh, that's that's pretty high yeah absolutely and and one player that that i've been a little disappointed with already this season is anton strawman uh some other roster decisions obviously factored into it but i did have to drop him in my uh, my yahoo league uh just three assists through the opening six games uh just seven shots on goal he really is not uh producing at a, at a level that i think he's generally capable of uh, but that can be said of their entire decor. I mean, Hedman's got just three points uh, through the first six games. Uh, and then the next highest score is Slater Cuckoo uh, with two goals in four games. So not a lot of production from the blue line. And I agree. I, I think maybe uh, Chris Kunitz would be a better option on that, that second line uh, rather than Yanni Gord with Palat and Point uh, or moving Tyler Johnson up there. Uh, I think they are spreading it out, but I think they're spreading it out too thin uh, and there's definitely some options as as to ways to shuffle that around that I think would better suit uh, the players that they have on the ice. And next we come to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, my question is where to begin with this team. A league-high 26 goals in five games, including triumphs over Montreal, Chicago, and the New York Rangers. I used to dream about streaks like this, AJ. Now it's happening in the first couple of weeks of the season, and we get to talk about a fourth-line shuffle that really is interesting to me. Mitch Marner is going to get dropped down to the fourth line. Another one of the top rookies who excelled last season. He's been off to a bit of a slow start, but he's going to be replaced by another guy. We touted at the beginning of the season, no team in the NHL sports a 20-goal score on the fourth line. Well, not even the Leafs do anymore. Marner scored less than 20. Brown moves up. He got 20 last year. He'll be playing with Bozak and JVR. The defensive conscience on that unit with the two veterans, a good fit for them. But it was a good fit for Marner. I think he'll be back up. You'll see him move up and down. Don't be shy about holding on to him as well. They've also introduced two rookie Swedes getting a chance to boost the defense core. And, and uh, last year they, they had uh, Zaitsev in the mix here. And he looks like the, cl- tops club, uh, the club's top blue liner in the early going with five points and a plus eight record. So you wonder if Kale Rosen might be this year's version or is it going to be the bigger one of the two Swedes that back there on the blue line. But AJ, 
the rich get richer here. This is a team that looks like they, a shadow of a team that, that was last in the league a couple of years ago. I didn't even mention how awesome Austin Matthews is yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to temper the good with a little bit of the bad. You have uh, and, and for me, that's, that's Freddie Anderson. Um, you know, he's, it's hard to knock him when he's got four wins and one loss. But if you look at his numbers, it's a 3.67 goals against average and a 0.880 uh, save percentage. And that's he's getting the wins because of how offensively talented this team is. And, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, the wins are what's key. Uh, they haven't given uh, McElhinney a look yet. It's been all all Freddie Anderson so far. Uh, and so I would like to see maybe him step up, maybe him get a little bit of a night off. And, uh, you know, obviously disappointing for for Paul and the rest of the, the season ticket holders is his act, his goals against average is over four at home ice. He's actually performed better on the road. Uh, and so hopefully he can get everything back together. But, you know, with that high power offense, who cares who's in the in the goal? It seems like they'll just outscore anybody if they have to. For DFS players, we've got to make note that the Leafs are playing back to backs tonight and tomorrow. And so you'll probably see McElhinney get one uh, that first start of the season, one of the two games. Not clear at this point which night it might be. So be careful of which way you go and make sure you consult our roster setup after this show uh, in Vancouver the good news on offense as the Sedins lead the club in scoring maybe it's bad news too I mean it's time for a bit of a change over there but the bad news is they only have two points each over four games played one of the perennial injury prone types here Alex Edler is already back on the IR for the next four to six weeks so it's looking like the same old same old in, in Vancouver the power play quarterback baton has been passed to the equally brittle Michael Delzato my question for you is how many games do you give him before he's sidelined <laughs> it's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna actually buck the trend here. I think he can play a full uh, not a full season. Sorry, no. I think he can get <laughs> back o- over over sixty games, which is something he's only done once uh, since the 2011-12 season. I, I think he'll hold up this year a little bit better. Um, but you know, you talked about injuries. Uh, Louis Erickson is also going to be out. Uh, he's not joining the team for a five-game road trip, so he's out almost the rest of the month. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Alex Edler, the obvious concern here uh, for Vancouver fans that I'll highlight is that's going to force Derek Pouliot into the lineup, something that uh, all us Penguins fans normally dreaded uh, getting him in there. And so don't expect, in my opinion, big things out of Derek Pouliot uh, on that third pairing. So it definitely goes from bad to worse uh, for an already struggling team. AJ Upnesk, we get to talk to, about the, the Vegas Golden Knights, and I got to preface this. I didn't even tell you before we went to air, but the last night I was in a Twitter exchange with a friend of the show, Daniel Negreanu, who appeared with us a few weeks ago, and of course, one of the world famous uh, poker players who made his fame at PokerStars.net, and he's a huge hockey fan, part owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's wondering out loud, maybe you have an answer to his question, is they got a whole slew of defensemen uh, that aren't even playing so far this year, yet they're NHL caliber, and they're squirreled away in the minors. He thinks that it's time to move a couple of these guys, and I think maybe in light of the fact that they've lost their signature player, Marc-Andre Fleury, 
and he's going to be out for a while. It's an opportunity for them to explore the trade market to see if they can get a veteran to get behind Malcolm Subban, and, uh, who's an unproven type, and we'll see the majority of game action in the interim in the near term. I wonder if this act, uh, this uh, injury will prompt uh, general manager George McPhee to try to peddle some of these excess defenders for uh, that experience hand and goal. Another ex-Penguin, though, bears uh, positive accolades, and that's James Neal. He's exploded for six goals of the first 15 that this club has scored and been a sensation uh, early in the season for a 4-1 and team in Vegas. Yeah, I don't think it's it's time to... to drop uh, those defenders for for a netminder um, you know ultimately this team is about building long term uh, while the product on the ice has been fantastic uh, they've outperformed a lot of expectations I do think they need to continue to think long term and, and dumping those defensemen for uh, a veteran goalie I, th- I think is too soon to to pull the trigger on on that move I will point out uh, they brought up Vadim Shipashov and Alex Tuke and they both got goals in their first game. They were expected to make the team right out of camp, but you know roster limitations uh, had them down in the AHL. But both those guys uh, getting goals right out of the gate, I think that's great for how this team looks long term. And I think it's going to solve a problem. If you take those two out of the equation, you're looking at a team that is pretty much comprised of goal scoring from James Neal. Uh, the rest of the team combines for just uh, seven goals, and then up to nine when you factor in Shipashev and Tuke. And so I think having your offense so condensed into James Neal is a long-term concern, but it looks like Shipashev and Tuke are going to be able to take a little bit of pressure off of James Neal. You know, a guy I want to highlight too is Colin Miller on the blue line. He's off to a bit of a slow start, but this is a guy who in the AHL All-Star game last year, AJ, won the fastest skater and the hardest shot. Talk about uber skills. You don't see that too often. And I'd like to see him get more ice time than what he's getting. And uh, I know a team like Toronto has been scouting this guy heavily, not to, not to accuse them of tampering or anything like that, but the, the teams were linked in off-season trade talks. And uh, I think that Miller is a guy that, that they should be getting more out of than he's shown so far. So a, a player to watch there in, in Vegas. Up next, we got Alex Ovechkin. He's on pace for 120 goals, AJ. <laughs> Yet <laughs> is only third in team scoring behind the two centers, Kuznetsov and Backstrom, who are the best one-two in the middle of the ice. Both of them have 11 points so far. It's all about offense so far in, in the nation's capital. The top surprise is the early emergence of Jakob Vrana, though, who has five points in a top-six role. I mean, with the production of the centers, you or I could have got five or six points, but Vrana is the <laughs> guy that's there, and he should be getting picked up in a lot of leagues as long as he retains that role. He's going to be playing with a quality pivot. On the downside, Matt Niskanen suffered an upper-body injury that will keep him sidelined for a lengthy stretch, and that's really bad news for a team that lost a couple of defenders in the offseason as well. That gives an opportunity though, to two youngsters, Madison Bowie and Christian Jews, who will be forced to take on more minutes. I wonder what that means long-term for the Washington Capitals and wonder if you have an opinion there. Well, I think this team needs to get younger uh, in general. Um, it's been a criticism of them the last couple of years. So I think, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, blooding a couple guys uh, like Jews and, and uh, Ness even uh, and Bowie, I think is all good for them in the long term. And I think it's going to benefit them. The, the offense is such that they can overcome uh, any deficiencies as far as scoring goes. And Brayden Holpe is between the pipes. So if, you know, if he gets a little bit of an uptick in, in shots per game because they're testing out some young guys, 
I don't think long term it's really going to impact that this team that much. Um, the one uh, knock I'll make on Uzgeni Kuznetsov is all 11 points have come from assists. Now, if you're in daily contests, not as big of a concern. Uh, if you're in a points league, maybe not a big concern. But in a rotisserie league, you probably want to see him adding some goals as well. Uh, so that you don't have to backfill goal scoring with his assists, although he'd pair up very nicely with James Neal. Uh, so if you can get those two guys together, there's your goals and assist pairing out really well. Good call and a good bit of advice there. And to round out the 31-team look, I didn't say 30 yet. Boy, we haven't contributed to that jar, AJ. <laughs> uh, the Winnipeg Jets, Nikolai Ehlers replaced the runner-up to Rookie of the Year, Patrick Liney, on the first line to start the season, and so far has rewarded his uh, coach's faith with seven points in five games to show for it. Liney's been just a fine fit uh, on the second unit with four points so far in four games, so don't sleep on the runner-up to the Rookie of the Year award either. Got a big shot, looks even stronger than he did last year. They're getting a nice contribution for their defense too, and that's a group that we touted, one of the deepest in the league. I believe Jacob Truba is on the verge of a breakout season. He's poured 13 shots on goal. That's the tip of the iceberg. This is a big, strong guy will lead a power play that should be really potent by the season's end. In goal, it's been an interesting story. Connor Hallibuck is a guy that I touted, and I picked him up in a couple of leagues, and he's really served me well, winning all three of his starts so, so far this year, while Steve Mason, another of the, guy who's, the guys who failed in an uh, experience in Philadelphia, he was a big-ticket off-season signing here, and it predictably has been shelled in his two appearances. Again, I called that, and I feel really good about Hallibuck winning out in this battle wonder what you think about the goalie mix there yeah if only somebody had warned Jets fans that Steve Mason wasn't very good um, <laughs> you, did, you did that I believe I, I may have mentioned that once or twice um, aside from the goaltending situation you know Hallibuck stepping up is great for this team hopefully he can continue uh, a little bit of a concern with Dmitry Kulikov uh, picking up an injury he's going to be out Sounds like at least a week, but less than two. Um, not a huge concern for me, though, because they do have highly touted uh, youngster Tucker Poolman to fit in. Uh, Poolman was in contention, I think, to make the 23-man roster coming out of camp. Uh, so he'll fit in nicely. He's been around the team plenty. Uh, and so I don't expect that to be too much of a, of a drop-off for them. And then Matthew Peralt uh, finds himself on injured reserve and again, this is another situation where I don't think it's going to impact them too terribly. They called up Kyle Connor, another guy who uh, has the potential to be uh, on the 23-man roster and was excelling uh, in camp, has been uh, leading the team in the AHL, uh, the Manitoba Moose, in scoring. And so he should fit right in as well. Kyle Connor probably going to get that second-line role that Peralt had and should see some power play time. So definitely worth picking up. Uh, I did that yesterday as soon as I saw the news that he uh, was brought up. I went and picked him up in, in my league, uh, a player I'm very high on, especially long term. All right, AJ, we've talked hockey for the first hour of the show. We're going to wind it up with a little bit of football talk before we get to our DFS picks, uh, reminding our listeners that uh, fantasy football is there for everyday fans at FanDuel. There's new contests starting every week, no busted season, something for everyone, lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I see you crying in the background already. <laughs> uh, you know, every game becomes more exciting. Players uh, that we like uh, up, uh, in the upcoming weeks is normally the focus of, of this segment, but week six brought with it disaster for my partner's favorite club. Stop sobbing, AJ, and tell me what 
what's next for the quarterback position at Cheesehead Central following the broken collarbone that likely ended the season for one Aaron Rodgers. You'll never guess who picked him in quarter, to quarterback one of his fantasy teams this weekend, none other than yours truly. And I couldn't believe when I saw his score in real time, I said, why is it so low? Then I, that's when I found out about the injury and I thought of you immediately. I won't be doing that again soon and neither will you, unfortunately. Meanwhile, my old reliable Drew Brees has now caught four wins in a row and he came through for me in a couple of other teams that I set up and is likely the best uh, choice right now looking forward when we looked at the big three at the beginning of the season, including Tom Brady, and uh, throw in the fact that another veteran, Peter... Adrian Peterson has had an, a nice debut for Arizona, and I benefit from that as well. Uh, what's your sense on the Green Bay situation and uh, any other outlooks in the fantasy play? Well, it sounds like Green Bay is committed to uh, to going with uh, the backup there, whose name is eluding me right now. Um, but they'll uh, they're not from everything they've said. They're not going to bring in a. Uh, a a veteran replacement. Brent Hundley is the backup. Right. Uh, right. Shows shows how often he's played. The fact that I couldn't even <laughs> pull his name up off <laughs> off the cuff. So um, sounds like they don't have any concerns. Um, I, I know uh, here in the the head office here of Rotowire, there's definitely some some questions uh, further down the depth chart as as far as that goes. So uh, we'll see what happens. But you know, in a uh, in a historically run Packers team, they're not going to you know, jump at free agents. They're not going to make bad trades. So I expect they'll just stick with what they have. Um, as far as fantasy goes for me, I had Rogers in both my rotowire leagues. Uh-huh. So that one's definitely going to hurt looking like I'll probably have to trade the waiver wire in those leagues is a little thin. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been fantastic for me carrying both the load for the Jaguars and my fantasy team. Although he's also dealing with an ankle injury. So, uh, injuries have been, uh, the key or the uh, setback to my season, um, I'll I'll direct you know some of our our listeners uh, that are interested in football. The NFL waiver wire article every week from Kevin Payne is a fantastic place to look for guys that might be available in your league. Uh, check out that feature article on rotorwire.com. The week seven version is up already. You know what? I got to get a shot in on Mike G, our buddy who heads up the hockey side. I eked out a narrow win. It was both of us tallied over 100 points in the head to head Rotowire League, uh, Vegas League, and uh, I eked out a win over him. And uh, I got bragging rights, Mike. I hope you're listening and get a chuckle out of that one. But <laughs> what a game it was. We I had the score up in real time, and the lead changed about uh, 10 times in the fourth quarter of the, that last game. So. Uh, on Sunday night so really really an exciting win for me and a tough one for Mike to swallow and uh, I hope I get to see him again one more one more time this season head to head because that means we both made the playoffs Uh, (laughs) look at AJ over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users I urge you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW you get a free six month worldwide subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday million which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel just visit fanduel.com slash rw of course these contests are void where prohibited all right aj let's go to the fanduel segment of, of dfs play beginning with your uh run through of the 11 games on tap for tonight all right and i'll throw in some lines and and over-unders where we have them we don't have them for every game but it will start off with pittsburgh at the rangers that's penguins minus 115 with a six over-under so uh vegas expecting a lot of scoring in that one uh, you got Florida at Philadelphia at 7 o'clock. Uh, Flyers minus 135, 5.5 over under. Toronto travels to Washington. Now, the Capitals are favored in this one, a minus 145. 
a little surprising there to me. I know they're at home, but I would think that uh, the line would be a little closer with how well the Leafs have been performing. Maybe they're concerned about Freddie Anderson as well. You got a six over under in that one. You got uh, Tampa Bay at New Jersey at 730. Uh, no line on that yet. Vancouver at Ottawa also at 730. And uh, that one is uh, another one. We don't have a line yet on that one. I did miss Toronto. Uh, Nope, I got Toronto at yeah, Washington. Yeah. Uh, Colorado at Nashville at 8 o'clock. Predators, the big favorites of the night, minus 195. Uh, Columbus at Winnipeg, also at 8 o'clock. That one's pretty much a toss-up. The Jets are minus uh, 110 on that one, and that's basically just home ice advantage. So a pretty close toss-up on that one. Arizona at Dallas, uh, no line on that one at yet. Carolina at Edmonton, uh, starting off the late slate at 9 o'clock. Oilers favored minus 145. Buffalo at Vegas, uh, 10 o'clock start. And then Montreal at San Jose, the last game of the night at 1030. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye on four games tonight. Of course, leaps and caps goes without saying. Vegas, uh, it's game two without the flower. They host the Sabres. That's one I'm going to look for. The Sabres to come up big. And Jack Eichel, uh, he's seen all the press clippings that McDavid and Matthews are getting. And you've got to figure, he's a guy that thinks he belongs in that conversation. He's going to have a chance to play like a tenant against a, a depleted Las Vegas lineup without their starting goalie. Tampa Bay versus the upstart Devils. This is a really uh, early litmus test for New Jersey and their hot start. And, of course, the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks. You know what my second favorite team is, AJ? What's that? It's the team that faces the Montreal Canadiens every night. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I had to throw that one in. AJ, your picks in DFS play. All right, I'm going to start off with Evgeny Malkin for 8,000. I mentioned that this is projected to be a high-scoring game. Uh, Malkin hasn't scored in his last three games, and that's not something that really lasts very long with Malkin. Usually if you see him not scoring for three games, it's because he hasn't been playing and he's out (laughs) injured. So uh, don't expect that to carry on too long. I went high-low with my center combo, went Mark Letestu for 3,400. Edmonton does need some production from some other guys. Now, Letestu is another player uh, that hasn't scored yet this season. I think he's about due. And I think Carolina is a good opportunity for that to happen. Uh, wingers, I went uh, a little bit of a combo high-low. Start off with Philip Forsberg. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Nashville's at home where they are one of the best teams in the league. Uh, he's got uh, four goals in his last three games. Uh, with three of those coming on the power play. So I expect that to really continue. Patrick Hornquist, again, going back to the Pitt uh, New York matchup for uh, 6,300, rather. Uh, You mentioned his power play numbers, and so I think that will continue. I talked about Jeff Skinner earlier, uh, 6,200 tonight, Carolina Edmonton. We mentioned uh, Talbot's struggles in net, and so he's projected to be the starter. We'll see what happens there, but either way, I think Carolina uh, could be some players to target as well. And then rounding out the wingers, going back to that game, UC uh, Jokinen for Edmonton, 4,200. Uh, he is you know, looking uh, a decent a number of chances in the offensive zone. This is kind of a, a stat that I pulled off from one of Rotorwire's advanced daily lineups page. The, the lower lines in Edmonton are getting more chances comparatively to other teams in the offensive zone. So I think uh, UC Jokinen is a player that I'm targeting on that third line. Uh, defensively went a little bit cheaper only because one of these I feel like is kind of a steal. Dustin Bufflin for 5,600. I think that's really a, a pretty low price tag for him. 
No goals yet, so that's obviously why he's come down in price, but he does have two assists. He plays a ton of power play minutes, and so I expect he'll get uh, some power play uh, tallies potentially against Columbus tonight. And then, Paul, you talked about Tyson Berry for Colorado. He's been too good. Now, I know Nashville's at home. Uh, that's obviously a concern, but with how good Barry's been, he's one of the higher uh, power play minutes uh, players right now in the league. And so for 5,300, he felt like a good steal. Now, I'm going to go Craig Anderson for 8,100 in that Vancouver-Ottawa game. Uh, that's a matchup-oriented uh, one. I think Vancouver has really struggled. But I wouldn't fault anybody going with Pekka Rene, who's the same price. Uh, Colorado has been better than usual, but Nashville's at home, and it's really hard to pick up uh, pick against Pekka Rene in that option. So that's how my lineup shakes out. Uh, Paul, what did you try to do? Well, before I go into my picks, I love your call on UC Oakland, and that, that uh, shows some real thinking on your part, and a great case was made for a guy who was a really solid playmaker playing in the bottom six for, for them and against a struggling admin squad. It makes good sense to me and Skinner as well in terms of mini Carolina stack. So good calls by you there. I'm going to throw out uh, Jack Eichel. I already made his case against Vegas tonight. And so I think he's a bargain at $7,700 for a big night. Then I came up with a bit of an uh, Ottawa stack in Vancouver. Derek Broussard, a top six forward for $4,900 with all the guys that are scoring so well around him. And he's been productive as well. That's a low price for a guy who figures to get in onto the score sheet tonight in a big way for me. Then I also highlight Evander Kane, who's been pouring shots on goal like crazy. That's a factor in, in DFS play on, an, on its own, but he's been scoring as well. So I think he has a chance to light the lamp big time for $6,300. Scott Hartnell, another guy I tar touted for Nashville. You mentioned they're at home. This guy's been a tremendous net front, front presence power play fixture. Only $3,800 for him. So you know I got money to spend elsewhere here. Uh, Mark Stone, a guy who I've been uh, on since the beginning of the season part of that uh, potent off Ottawa offense against Vancouver again a cheap price $5,400 then I went big I thought Jamie Benn uh, a year and a half removed from being the top scorer in this league against Arizona a team that's uh, suspect at best defensively uh, a lot of question marks around the goaltending and, and, and the blue line here on the defensive side of the puck an offensive minded guy like Ben should have a field day I spent $7,900 happily there then Aaron Ekblad I touted the the rebirth of his career $5,400 relatively inexpensive for me I'm happy to get the power play quarterback for Florida against the Philadelphia team that still finds its way to the box with regularity then Rasmus Ristolainen completes the Buffalo sweep uh, the Buffalo stack rather and for $5,300 I get another guy who figures to be one of the top power play quarterbacks and I agree with you Craig Anderson looks like the goalie pick that stands out on this sheet for $8,100 not so close to the top a real good choice there in my opinion what about the optimizer uh, I want, I'm curious to see which of our players is on, are on that list AJ yeah so I will throw in one kind of uh plug for the optimizer here now this is a, a generally a math-based formula on the optimizer and we always recommend throwing in some human element to it and part of that comes in some of these matchups that it spits out the optimizer has two players on colorado while also mentioning that peke rene is the is the goalie to go with tonight so what you generally might want to do in that situation is one of two things either exclude Rene from the optimizer and build it from there so that you don't have that situation or take all of Colorado out of the optimizer if you really like Peke Rene. So th that's my advice before I go into this. Uh, it definitely, in my opinion, could use some tweaks, um, but the optimizer is definitely 
a, a great tool and just needs that little bit of human uh, human decision making. So it starts off Sidney Crosby in the Pittsburgh uh, Rangers matchup for nine thousand. That's a big price tag, and so you know it's going to save some money down the road. Nathan McKinnon at fifty six uh, fifty seven hundred is the first of the two Colorado players I mentioned. It goes to the other side of the New York Pittsburgh matchup with Matt Zuccarello for fifty five hundred. And then back to Colorado with Gabriel Landeskog for 5,200. Look, I don't dislike either of those picks, but Nashville at home, as I said, is hard to pick against. So for my money, I'd probably just exclude Colorado from the optimizer tonight. Back to New York, Pittsburgh. Chris Kreider for 4,900. And then finally, Connor Sheary is the last winger in that uh, Pitt-New York uh, matchup for 4,700. Again, this is probably because Connor Sheary is expected to be in the top line right now. You're going to want to check that before a game start. If he's down on the third line, uh, you know, you might want to change that out. Defensively, Eric Carlson for 7,000. Certainly can't blame the optimizer for that now that he's back. Ryan McDonough, again, uh, with the Rangers for 4,800. So a high low uh, for the optimizer there. And then it likes Pekka Rennie and goal for 8,100. So definitely some tweaks to be made, in in my opinion, but uh, a good starting point with the optimizer today. And we'll remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. It's time for the stud of the week and the rant of the week. AJ, I touched on the stud of the week. I didn't go off to Austin Matthews. There, I talked about him again. I went with Nikolai <laughs> Ehlers, who edged him out as the first star of the week in the NHL.com uh, polling. In his, last, in his draft year, he was ninth overall in 2014, was described as the most skilled player in the draft. I've heard that before about a lot of smallish Euro imports, but this guy's really fit the bill and he's done it at a time where his skills are ideally suited to today's speed game in the NHL. His line mates, Wheeler and Shifley, we've talked about them an awful lot. Two two of the biggest skill forwards in the league who will protect him and open up some ice with their size and their ability to play the body contact game. It's an interesting dynamic as he is probably Patrick Laine's bestie in Winnipeg, and yet he's taken his top spot on the top line. So I wonder how that dynamic has affected their friendship uh, that's been highly touted. He was named the first star, as I said, in the NHL last week, just ahead of Matt Matthews' guy. Another reference of Austin Matthews there. I threw that in. Sneaky, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> Ehler has piled up seven points in the three games played last week. That's why he got the nod, AJ. Well, if you have time, take a look at Ehler's goal from Saturday. I think it really uh, spells out what Paul's kind of outlining there. He enters the zone carrying the puck with tremendous speed. I think he's probably one of the best skaters in the league. And even when he kind of makes a bad pass, he's got tremendous puck luck right now. His teammate comes up with the puck, flies around the back of the net, (laughs) finds the empty space in the slot, and just rifles it home. I think his sheer speed and skating ability are kind of helping him get lost in the shuffle, and opposing teams are really going to struggle to defend against him uh, throughout the season. In terms of the range of the week, I'm going to go against one of my favorites who's been around this game for a while. That's Corey Perry running into the Arizona goalie a week and a half ago, Louis Domingue, and then chirping him after that two-goal effort. Now, I have to remind listeners that I love his physical style of play, but he went over the line twice against the Coyotes and uh, and Domingue in this game. And... uh, there's no need for that. I'm saying be a better pro, pro since then. And that's why I hired him as, as the rant of the week this week. He's been MIA with zero points and a minus three in five games played. 
unnecessary roughness is just that, Corey. It's unnecessary. Instead, you need to be the leader that everyone knows you can be. Your team needs you to step up right now. Well, I agree, Paul. The number of goalies I've seen already this season getting uh, run by guys with no penalties is kind of astounding. I mean, maybe this is part of the NHL's plan to get more goals. Uh, They're already shrinking down the pads everywhere. Uh, Maybe if the top netminders are out because guys can just barrel into them without fear of a penalty or suspension, the number of goals will continue to go up. I think while the league is focusing on face-offs and stick taps, they should be protecting the netminders a little better. And uh, AJ, that wraps up uh, this week's podcast. We covered a lot of ground here. It was a long show, but I think we got a lot of good information in there. So I'll wrap it up by saying uh, that's all for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical information from around the league on October 24 when we do our next show. We ask you to look out for podcast hockey pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests so long everybody